All right. We good? You guys hear me okay? All right. Let's take our Bibles and go to Philippians chapter 2. This morning, again, as you guys continue to work through the book of Philippians. You guys know who Tim Hawkins is? Everybody know who Tim Hawkins is? A lot of people. How many of you guys have seen his little sketch called That's the Worst? Anybody? A few of you. You guys should watch it later. I'm not going to maybe like spoil it for you, I guess. But the brilliance of the whole bit is that, and it's hilarious, uh, but the brilliance of the whole bit is that he points to uh, the fact that we complain about a lot of silly things. We complain about a lot of really silly things. And he talks about how we overuse the language of that's the worst. And, uh, and it's pretty funny, so you should look it up. Uh, but we do, right? We complain about a lot of stuff that at the end of the day is really kind of silly, inconsequential. What do we complain about the most? I think some of the things we complain about the most are things like weather and food and traffic and other people. We complain about stuff, weather, it's too cold, it's too hot, it's too humid, it's too windy, right? When is it going to snow? When is it going to stop snowing? We complain about the weather. We complain about food. We, we so quickly forget that we're pretty blessed to have plenty of food. We have a lot of food in front of us most every day. But we still complain. We find reasons to complain. I remember when I was a kid, there were certain meals that my mom made that I just didn't like. I remember in particular, she used to make this dish that was basically macaroni and cheese, and she'd throw tuna in it. And every time I, like, smelled that, I'm like, oh, no, like, I don't want that, right? Don't like that. We complain. What about traffic? Stupid drivers in front of us, behind us, too many drivers on the road at a particular point, and then other people. Annoying people, people that are in your way, uh, people perhaps that have caused you harm. We complain about a lot of stuff. Some that you might say, well, I have a legitimate reason for a complaint. Others, it's pretty silly, pretty inconsequential. How many of you guys complained a little bit on Saturday night at the football game or while you were watching the football game? Anybody going to admit that? <laughs> my, my boys and I actually went to that game. Uh, in Memorial Stadium, it's the first game we've we've been to in the last couple of years, and it was a blast. But man, the crowd was like packed going to our cars, and it was just a giant wine fest. I mean, everybody was ticked about this call or that call, right? It was unfair. We should have won. What were they doing? What were they thinking? Complaining. If we're not careful, if we're not careful, guys we will live in pretty much a giant wine fest, complaining, grumbling all the time. With that in mind, look with me at what God has to say in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 14. Paul here says to the church at Philippi, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Do all things without complaining, without grumbling. The word 
Grumbling here simply means to murmur or to gripe or to complain, really to oneself, like under your breath, in your heart. You are kind of loathing something. You're complaining in your heart, in your mind about something, a private displeasure, or disputing. The word disputing here um, literally comes from a Greek word that if, I'm not going to pronounce it, but the first like three quarters of this Greek word is essentially dialogue. It's an internal debate in someone's mind. The thinking person, reasoning something out. Now, now you might ask the question, Dustin, like, aren't we supposed to do that? Isn't it a good thing to think something through, to have a sort of internal dialogue about something? And I would say generally yes, but not always. Not always. For example, if I as a dad were to tell my kids, like, don't play in the street, I'm not looking for a dialogue about that. I'm not looking for, like, a five-year-old in the middle of the street saying, like, let's think this through. Right? I don't want that at all. This is not a time or place for dialogue. This is a time and place for obedience. I just want you to get out of the street. Okay? So I think this is what Paul has in mind. He's talking about grumbling or disputing an internal dialogue about whether or not something is legitimate or not. So the question is, as we seek to understand this text, the question is, what are the things that Paul is talking about? As he says, do all things, I think this is universally applied pretty well, but in particular, what does Paul have in mind? Now, as good students of the Word of God, I know that you guys already know where we need to go. Where do we need to go? We need to go to the context. Okay, so look at your Bible with me, and let's notice the context of verses 12 and 13. Paul here says, therefore, my beloved, loved ones, dear ones that I care for, as you have always obeyed, underline that word in your mind, he's talking about obedience to the word of God. So now he says, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What is Paul talking about? He's talking about the process of sanctification, whereby we yield our lives and our minds and our hearts to the Holy Spirit of God and to His Word, and thereby we grow. We grow to be more and more like Christ, for our lives to be more and more patterned by the Word of God. So he says, 4, verse 13, It is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So essentially what Paul is saying is this. Guys, if you're a Christian, if you know Jesus, God's brought you to the place of repentance and faith, and you're trusting in Christ alone, you have a relationship with God through his spirit, God is essentially saying, look, follow that. Don't, verse 14, complain about it. Don't grumble about what God is doing in your life. Don't complain about the Word of God and its implications in your life. Don't dispute. Don't have an internal dialogue about whether or not you're going to agree with the Word of God or the will of God for your life. 
Like if you've been saved and God is pulling you through his spirit and through his word toward holiness, Paul is saying, work with that. Don't work against that. Don't go against that. Work with that. So it's in this context that Paul is telling us not to complain, okay, not to grumble. Now, let's take it a, a layer deep. Why do you think he has to say that? When we're thinking about the fact that it's pretty cool, pretty amazing that God is at work in us, verse 13, God is doing something in us. If we are a Christian, he is pulling us toward himself, toward holiness, towards the great things that he has in store for our lives. Like, why does he have to tell us not to grumble about that? Why does he have to tell us not to complain about that? Well, I think another question will help us. When do we typically complain? Think about this, guys and girls. When do we typically complain? We typically complain when things or circumstances in our life are inconvenient. Am I right? That's when we complain. In other words, we're not complaining about the weather in Florida if we're in Nebraska, or we're not complaining about a massive traffic jam in Omaha if we're in Central City. Really don't care about the traffic in Omaha, right? Because it's not affecting us. It's not an imposition on our lives. Uh, we're not really complaining about, like, the mystery meat in our buddy's McChicken if we're eating Chick-fil-A, right? We're not complaining about that. When do we complain? Guys, girls, when do we complain? We complain when something affects us. When something appears to be inconvenient for us. We complain. I was talking to my sons about this on Saturday night. We complain when the calls go against us. Isn't that true? Like no one in Husker Stadium, Memorial Stadium, no one in red was complaining when the refs made calls against Michigan. Even if we acknowledged it wasn't the greatest call ever, no one's complaining about it. Why? It went our way. It wasn't inconvenient for us. We complain when it puts us out, when we feel like it's an imposition on us, such is the case, my friends, please grab this, such is the case with God and his word. When are we tempted to complain about God's work in us? When are we tempted to complain about God's word? We're tempted to complain about it when it confronts us in our sin. Right? When it confronts us in a way that we find inconvenient in the moment. For example, when we really want to be bitter against someone else or a circumstance, and we read the Word of God that says, look, don't allow bitterness to take root in your heart. What do we want to do? Sometimes we want to complain about that text or dialogue internally about that text to say, I really don't want to listen. 
really inconvenient verse for me right now. All right? When the Bible has something to say about how you are to live as a Christian, morally, with regard to authority, etc., sometimes we're tempted to go, I don't know. Like, is it really that big of a deal? It's only like two verses. Is it really that important? Guys, that's when we're tempted to complain about the Word of God, about the will of God when it is inconvenient for me. Uh, the story goes, or the joke goes, that a certain pastor asked a guy in his congregation, look, if you had $1,000 or let's say a million dollars, would you give $1,000 to help the poor? And the guy was like, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. If you had a hundred cows, would you give one of those cows away to feed the poor? Absolutely, pastor, like no questions asked. Absolutely. Well, if you had two pigs, would you give one of those pigs away to feed the poor? Pastor, you know I've got pigs. That was his response. <laughs> And the idea is, like, when it's an imposition on me, as soon as it hits my doorstep, as soon as it confront, confronts a sin issue in my heart, that's when the rubber meets the road. That's when I'm tempted to complain. That's when I'm tempted to do an internal dialogue in my mind and heart as to whether or not I'm going to consider the Word of God and the will of God valid. Uh, perhaps another step would be with regard to circumstances. Not just the commands of Scripture that can prove inconvenient for where my heart and flesh wants to go in a particular place, but what about the trials that come about in our lives? Man, we're tempted to complain, right? We're tempted to grumble. We're tempted to doubt the goodness of God. We're tempted to doubt whether or not God knows what he's doing, whether or not God is actually sovereign. We're tempted to be just like the children of Israel. So do I just advance this slide right here, brother? We're tempted to be just like the children of Israel. I, I want to read this passage of Scripture with you and think about the children of Israel with you for a moment. Psalm 106, verses 21 through 26. You can see uh, the text on the screen. Consider what characterized the people of God as he brought them out of Egypt to take them into the promised land. Psalm 106, verse 21. The psalmist says, They forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt wonders in the land of Ham, and awesome things by the Red Sea. Then they despised the pleasant land. They did not believe in his word, but, what's the next words? Grumbled. They complained. They disputed in their hearts and in their minds while in their tents. They did not listen to the voice of the Lord. Therefore, he swore to them that he would cast them down in the wilderness. 
in much of their story, for the people of Israel, in much of their story subsequent to the Exodus, it seems that grumbling, complaining, and disputing, this was their fatal flaw. Guys, this was their fatal flaw. And underneath all of it was a serious doubt. Please grab this. A serious doubt in the Word of God and the ways of God. You see it in this text, don't you? They did not listen to the voice of the Lord. And what did they do? They forgot everything he had already done. They forgot that time and time again, God had already shown himself faithful. Man, these guys were amped out of their minds when they were liberated from bondage in Egypt. And in fact, they were able to plunder Egypt on their way out. Like they were strolling out of Egypt to go to the promised land, like living high, okay, with a lot of goods in tow. They were pumped about it. They were like, God is great. Guys, they were like, God is awesome. God is fantastic. He's good. But then what happened? What happened is that they quickly forgot God. They quickly forgot God. They quickly became a thing where they would say in their hearts and in their minds, is God really good? Why? Because in a moment, circumstances changed. Whereas once they thought, man, this is good. This is awesome. It got inconvenient for them. And what did they immediately do? What they immediately did was to forget God, to leave him aside. This is what you and I are tempted to do as well. Therefore, what happened? They did not experience what God intended. Guys, girls, they did not experience what God intended for them to experience. What, what had God intended for them? Look right in the middle of this text. In the middle of this text, it says, then they despised the pleasant land. This is where God had liberated them from Egypt to take them to. Into the promised land, into the pleasant land. They didn't experience that. They didn't experience what God had intended for them and wanted for them. Why? Because they gave in to complaining. They gave in to this inner dialogue to say, is God really good? I don't think that God really is good. So, brothers and sisters, what I want to say to you this morning is this, very simply. Don't grumble or complain about the word or ways of God. Don't grumble or complain, or even really dialogue against the word and ways of God. What I want to encourage you with is this, very simply. Just yield. Listen to the word of God. Come underneath the authority 
of God and his word. Understanding that God is so good. Guys and girls, he will never lead you astray. He will never, you, never take you to a place that you really don't want to go. If you will trust him, if you will follow him, God will lead you to pleasant lands. That doesn't always mean easy. Watch me. That doesn't always mean easy. What it does mean is that it will be fulfilling in a way that you can't even understand. You can't even describe. It could be hard. It could be tough. God could call you to suffer in some ways. But I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if you knew all the facts and knew all the potential ways that you could go, you would choose that every time. You would choose God's will, God's word, God's ways. So the psalmist says things like, the word of God is precious. The word of God is my everything. It's more necessary, as Job said, than my daily food. It's rich. It's like honey from the honeycomb. So like I want it. I want to soak up the word of God. I think this text shows us three benefits if we will not grumble or complain about God's word in ways. Three benefits. Number one, I've already been talking about this, but I will say it again. You will experience the life, my friends. You will experience the life. If you will live in unqualified submission to God and his words, you will experience the life, the joy of being God's child. One of my, one of my buddies, every time I see him, like without fail, I'm like, Dave, his name's Dave. Dave, what's up, man? How you doing? He always says, living the dream. I'm living the dream, baby. This right here is the dream. Note it in your text, verse 15. He says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Verse 15, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God. Pause right there. Blameless and innocent, pure, the idea behind the word blameless, or right with God. You will be right with God as his child, moreover, innocent. The word innocent here means undiluted. Undiluted. You will be as whole, girls, guys, as whole as you could possibly be as a person as you are following God, as you are following his word and submitting joyfully to his ways. This is the life, man. This is living the dream. This is the pleasant land. Trust the word of God. Trust the word of God. If you take one thing away from this message this morning, take this. Trust the word of God. It's good. Okay? It's good. It will confront you in your sin. It will confront you where you are. Don't complain about it. Yield to it, my friends. Yield to it. You won't regret it. Receive the gift of a life lived as God intends. Number two, you will not only experience the life, you will express the light. You will express the light. What does the text go on to say? That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish. You might say, 
a pure testimony, a clean testimony in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. You will express the light. My friends, brothers and sisters, you will be a light in the midst of a dark world. Uh, We don't have time to talk about how dark this world is. I don't know that we need to. I think we understand. If you're awake at all, you understand that this world is dark. And you have an opportunity to be different. Guys, girls, an opportunity to be different, to shine like lights, to be a true influence for Christ in the midst of a very dark world and society. How will we do this? We'll do this by joyfully submitting to the Word of God and saying, God, like, I want to know what you have to say about everything. And I want to follow that, submitting to His Word and His ways. You'll express the light. And then thirdly, you will encourage your teachers. Encourage your teachers. Check out your text. Four, <clears throat> excuse me, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Verse 16 holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Paul says here to the church at Philippi, at the end of time, I want to be able to be proud of you, that I did not work among you, teach you, write to you, shepherd you, evangelize among you, in vain. He wants to be proud of them. As you guys hold fast to the Word of God, following it, not complaining about it, not dialoguing really about it, but just following and joyful submission to the Word of God, there will be people in your life that will get great joy out of that. People in this room, guys and girls, brothers and sisters, people in this room that are pouring into you, that are giving their lives to be in Central City at Nebraska Christian School in order that you might hear the Word of God, in order that the Spirit of God might take root in your heart and form in you a soft, submissive spirit to God and His Word and His ways. As you follow in that, they will be so happy. Also, Lord willing, you have pastors in your life that are trying every week to Just bring the Word of God to bear on your life, teaching you the next text in a particular book or passage and trying to help you understand what does God have to say? What does God want us to hear? What does God want us to know? Seeking to shape your life and shepherd your life towards God, towards His Word. As you guys follow in that, there are going to be people in your life that will be filled with joy. Also, I hope that many of you have parents that also love Jesus. Parents that are seeking to train you and nurture you in the admonition of the Lord to teach you the Bible, to teach you the gospel. Man, as you walk in truth, they will be able to say with the gospel writers, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. This is what Paul is saying. This is a benefit for not complaining about or grumbling about the word of God or the circumstances that he ordained but rather joyfully putting yourself underneath the authority of the Word of God and following 
in his ways. You won't regret it. In doing so, you will experience the life. Okay? You'll live the dream. You will express the light in the midst of a dark world. You will also encourage your teachers. Encourage your teachers. So let me encourage you guys. Again, from this text, don't grumble about the word of God or the ways of God. Come underneath the authority of the word of God, believing that God is good. So let me just close with this. Do you believe that God is good? Think about it with me. Guys and girls, do you believe that God is good? Have you experienced the goodness of God? Have you experienced God answering prayer in powerful ways that you can call to mind even in this moment right now? Do you believe that God is good? Do you believe that God's word leads to good things? That he knows the best plan for you? Do you believe that? Do you believe that God loves you so much that he was willing to send his son? That Jesus loved you so much he was willing to come down and live for you? Do you believe, guys and girls, this morning that Jesus loved you so much that he was willing to go to a cross and there the Son of God, guys and girls, the Son of God was willing to be nailed to a cross to express his love for you? Do you believe that? Think about this. Do you believe that God is good? That he has good plans for you? That he loves you that much that he was willing to come? That he was willing to die for you? Will you not believe that he wants the best for you now? That his word will lead you to good things? provide good protection for you. So what, what's the response to all of this? Guys, the response to all of this is to say, God, I want to know what you have to say. Like more than anything else, I want to know what you have to say because I want to come underneath that. I care to read your word. I care to be attentive in Bible class. I care to try to memorize your word because I want to follow it. If I run up into something where my conscience is going, I'm not sure this is right. What do I want to do? I want to go to the Word of God. I want to ask a teacher, what does the Bible say about this topic? What does the Bible say about this topic? What does the Bible say about this issue? Is it a sin or is it not a sin? I want to know these things because I want to know what God's Word has to say about my life. This is what Paul is saying. Don't have a mindset or an attitude of complaining and grumbling about the Word of God or dialoguing it away. Not really that big of a deal. It's not really applicable to me. I'm not really worried about that. It's a cultural thing. We don't, we don't do that anymore. Paul's like, don't do that. Get your eyes on Christ and understand that he's been so kind to give you his word. Love it. Come underneath its authority. Okay? Soak it up. If I could just close with an illustration. Um... Several years ago, I was with my family and my kids in uh, Norfolk, wh where my wife grew up. And, uh, and I, I love sharing this. Because it was kind of a moment, it was kind of a, a, a flashpoint for me as I thought about this desire to soak up the Word of God. So we were in Norfolk for the 4th of July, and in Norfolk they often do a parade. 
And uh, in this parade, basically you have float after float that comes by and, and people are on top of the float like chucking candy. And I have three little kids and my kids were ready, man. Like they were ready with little bags, grocery sacks, that they could grab up as much of that candy as possible. And so they, with a bunch of other kids, were, were just standing beside the road just waiting to get candy, man. Like their whole goal in life in this moment was to get as much candy as possible. Meanwhile, I was sitting in a chair like what Gordon is sitting in. I was sitting in a chair like back from the road just kind of chilling out, right? Leg up, just watching my kids, having fun, okay? Laughing it up with my wife while my kids were just collecting candy. By the end of that parade, man, all three of them had a full grocery sack full of candy. And I didn't have really any, okay? I wasn't too interested in the candy. If I got a, like a stray Tootsie Roll, I was like, I, I don't really like that. Chuck it into my kid's bag. If I got like a stray package of like peanut butter M&Ms, I was going to eat those. That was good. Uh, but I wasn't too interested in getting the candy. I want you to think about those two images, me in the lawn chair and my kids with their bags. Me in the lawn chair, my kids with their bags. Imagine if, for sake of illustration, what these people are chucking is the Word of God. The Word of God, the wisdom of God, the ways of God. Which are you like, my kids or me in that picture? My kids or me? Are you like, man, I, I have my grocery sack of life. My heart is like open to the word of God. I want to know everything God has to say. I want to fill my life with as much of the word of God as humanly possible. Why? Because I believe God's word is good. It's leading me to good places. Or are you like me? Watch me, guys. Just sort of chilling out. I don't really like Tootsie Rolls. It's not really convenient for me right now. I'll take that. I'll take that verse. I like that verse. I, I like that text. I don't like that. Which are you like? Can I encourage you? Be like those kids. Yield to what Paul is saying to his people here. Don't complain about the word of God. Soak it up. Soak it up. Put yourself in a place where you are taking in as much of God's word and ways as possible. Not with an attitude and mindset to complain or explain it away, but to yield to it, knowing God is good. Okay? You will never regret it. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your grace to us. Thank you so much for your word, for how it speaks to us. I pray that you would help us to have this kind of mindset, a positive mindset with regard to your word and your ways. Help us not to grumble or complain or explain your word away, but to yield ourselves to it, knowing that you will lead us into pleasant places. In Jesus' name, amen.